one, breaker one, this is Shark Pants Free Radio. Gamers, get your ears on because we're blowing the speakers out. Grimdark Live. It is time for Grimdark Live. This show is for the nerds, the outcasts, the weirdos. And for Shark Pants Gamers? No, not you. Ah, crap. Get ready, all you grimdark goons, for dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf. Only right here on Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Live, your weekly webcast for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and tonight we're going to be talking about Seraphon, specifically Quaddle's Claw. But before we get into all that... Thank you very much for joining us here tonight on Grimdark Live. And if you like our show, please don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. And uh, please let, our, let your friends know about us. Uh, pass this show on to any other folks that may be interested in this type of content and help us grow, please. Uh, we really do appreciate uh, your awesome help. And also, in tonight's conversation, we're going to be talking about armies and their respective lists. So if you, if you have a list that you'd like to share, please leave it in the chats or the comment section uh, of the show notes below. But uh, all right, here we go, man, you dice, chuck and glue, sniffing gamer goons. Here we go. We're going to be talking about Seraphon as our main topic in, in tonight's uh, show. And joining us tonight is the winner of the recent Chicago Open, and uh, and and he's here with us to uh, to really talk about uh, how to play this army and what the awesome uh, what what's great about this army. Dean Bills, Dean, thanks for joining us, man. What do you hear? What do you say? Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on. Absolutely, man. You know, I'm I'm really happy that that you're here. You know, and I'm, I guess I'm, I I was pondering whether or not I was going to open the show by saying this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say this. You know, I played you game three at the. Uh, uh, the Chicago Open, and and we'll get into how you beat the crap out of me here in a minute, you know, Dean. We'll we'll get into all that, but uh, but honestly, you know, you're a hell of a competitor. You um you 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 play the army very well. Um, you're and you're really somebody. Uh, that's that's really a compliment to the community, man. So I want to tip my hat to you on that. And and you're a well-deserved champion for for that open. I appreciate that. I mean, uh, it's nice to be able to give a good game. Um, honestly, like that's a. Uh something I really like like to do is not just be someone who just tables somebody and walks away and you never hear from them again or loses badly and just like, you know, gives you a bad taste in your mouth. I appreciate you saying that it wasn't that for you. No, no, no. I, I honest to gosh, uh, I, I meant every word of it. I, uh, you know, I, I, I if I thought you were, uh, as we say here in Chicago, if I thought you were a jag off, I'd tell you that too. But no, I mean, I, you're, you're, uh, <laughs> you're not, you're far from it. You're far from it. But, uh, uh, but yeah, but thank you for being with us tonight. We got a lot of great stuff we're going to be talking about this army, and I know that you have a lot uh, to say about it. But uh, but here it is. I guess to sum up the show tonight, we're really going to be talking about Aztec lizards riding dinosaurs, and uh, you being the big winner at the uh, with with this army. And I think there's going to be a lot that uh, folks are going to take from this. So let, let's start off with the uh, with with the real, uh, I guess, uh, obvious point. You know, how does it feel to have won the Chicago Open? Uh honestly, it's a. Uh... For me, it doesn't. It's uh, it doesn't really feel like anything. Um, I've been competing in various tournaments my whole life. Um, as long as I've been able to drive and move around and compete, I've been competing. <laughs> so for me, it's uh, it wasn't like oh, amazing! This is an amazing thing. And I've had so many close calls. Like in New Orleans, I went four one. Du Bois, I went four one. Adepticon, I went three uh, one, and I dropped because I had a 
personal thing come up. But uh, so I've been very close with the, the list for a long time. So I've, I've known it's good. I've known that I can play it at a high level. So it wasn't like uh, a big breakthrough moment for me, I guess. Right, right. No, and, and honestly, you know, you, you, you play it very well. As, as I was saying kind of offline, you know, you play it very surgically. You know, you, um, uh, you, you, you are definitely somebody that knows the army. I mean, as, as your opponent, uh, I can, I can say firsthand, guys, uh, this, this guy really knows how to play. Uh, so outside of, you know, now being known as the Chicago Open champion, you know, I guess give us a little brief history of, of you and your gaming life and, and how you came to play Seraphon. Sure. Uh, I mean, my, the first thing is like my uncle owned a didn't own, but he was a manager of a games workshop store, actually, cool. back when there were games workshop stores. And it was in Clifton Park, New York. And uh, he got us into Magic, and he uh, got me into Warhammer um, Fantasy Battles. And this was at the time that Ser- Lizardmen and Bretonia were the starter set. So that was like, I didn't have anybody to play with, but uh, we had, I gave half a starter set to a friend. We had a few games, whatever, and then I kind of forgot oh. about it. But, uh, as far as like competitive, I played Magic competitively. Um, I was semi-pro for a very long time, and that um, after that was Malifaux. I was the U.S. champion in Malifaux, uh, which is another miniatures game that you oh, may yeah. or may not be oh, aware yeah. of. Sure, I know Absolutely. it's popular in Chicago for sure. Yeah. Um, after that, we got into Underworlds, which uh, GW has done things to. Yeah. <laughs> so that that game is it's kind of off the rails. It's just too big at this point. Um, and I don't really enjoy it the way that I used to, but I was like the first player in North America to be like a multiple GT champion in underworlds. And then we moved to Sigmar and I've been playing basically right before third edition came out. So, uh, right around the time the new book of Seraphon came out, that's when I started playing the army. Okay. And that's uh, how we got to here. So really? you, you kind of found yourself, uh, you kind of found yourself back at home again. I mean, it was kind of a kind of you went from basically what would have been seventh edition fantasy battles when when that when that when that co battle tome came out against Bretonians, they were lizardmen. Um, yep. You you so you saw yourself through eighth edition, the end times. Went to some other games for a little while. You know, was a champion in those other games, Malifaux and and Underworlds. And I do agree with you about Underworld. That's another show we got to talk about that either either at, at a beer or another show. Um, yeah, I've got. I have a lot of opinions on Underworld. <laughs> you know what? And, and here's the yeah. thing: I'm going to be a lot cheaper than you right now, and I'm going to tell you where my opinion lies. Um, can I just have my freaking Mordheim back? Is that too much to ask? I know that everyone's got to be really sick of you know hearing me say that, but I really miss Mordheim. I, I want to say, as far as a skirmish game, and this is one man's opinion here for anybody listening. I really thought that was almost a perfect skirmish game. I really did. I've had a lot of people say the same thing. And they have Warcry now, which I guess is what they're trying to replace actual Mordheim with, but I haven't seen anybody really pick up Warcry. Kill Team a little bit, but not Warcry. Yeah, you know what the problem with, with, with Warcry is to me, and again, uh, this is something that I've talked about with a lot of my club mates, is it's a beer and pretzels game that you play in your buddy's basement. Because, you know, who, who the hell yeah. is going to go to the game store and lug like two totes of terrain with them? I just don't see it being practical to play outside. That's why when you go to a store, I mean, I haven't seen it played at a store ever i mean probably since it was demoed when it was brand new i've seen people buy it and leave it with the store but so yeah i I just remember the days of mordheim and i missed it but that's that's me being very shallow i I probably uh uh i never actually played too much mordheim but uh i remember having a good time of what little i did play but that was again oh my goodness must have been like 2004 or 2005 or something yeah yeah i still actually have two full tables of the mordheim city the bell tower the i've I've got everything i just I, i love it um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I really do. It's, it's kind of a sickness, but we're all in the same club. Um, so, so here it is. So you, <laughs> that was a rough segue. Um, <laughs> so back on Seraphon, you know, we're going to really look at a list that I want to, I want to touch on something. You know, obviously this is Quaddle's Claw. This is what you played. And the first thing yeah. that you said to me outside of, you know, hey, how are you, uh, was a lot of people say that I'm playing the worst Seraphon list. And I want to preface at this before you kind of explain yourself, because one, I think those people are loons. And I don't care who they are. There's people a hell of a lot more, you know, prolific than we are in this goofy little show of ours that, that have probably sure. shared an opinion. But I'll say this right now. I think they're lunatics. I think that the army hits like a truck. I mean, you, you are doing in our game. And, I, and again, folks, I'm, 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 I'm giving the guy a lot of props here because, it, you know, we always say in the show, Dean, is, is it the army or the general? And you're def- this right. army definitely won because of the general, because of who and what you are. Because how many times do you, do you hear the story where this gamer goes out and he buys an army, he opens up the boxes, and he realizes it doesn't come with a gamer? You know, that's usually what happens. <laughs> you know? yeah. just, just follow along and pick up any list that Tom Guan or uh, Bill Souza is playing. Like this, the, those two guys, they're just like, they're playing nonsense every week, and somehow it's working out for them. Exactly. And no one can do it else. No one else can do it. <laughs> but, but you stepped up, and you played this army like a like a surgeon man i mean you you your position was always right you know you had me blocked out on a lot of and, and i i'm a fairly good beast of chaos player um sure. and 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 you had my number from from the first from the first dice roll so you know i and i gotta i gotta i gotta put a little bit back on on the army quaddle's claw not that bad right yeah i mean you've got the four sub factions and uh they're all honestly very different, um, but it's really what you're getting. And what you get in Kotal's Claw is you get all your source on charges. They have all out attack. You get a command ability that is all out attack. Basic, it basically ends up being all out attack version two. And um, you get the eviscerating blade, which can spike like absolute crazy. Like sometimes it doesn't do anything like against you. I don't think I rolled a single six and 29 attacks. But against my next opponent, I rolled like four sixes in one attack roll. It was just like, all right, well, that doesn't feel fair whatsoever because it's two mortals in addition. It's just this is the silliest thing. And that's what you're paying for. And uh, you're also getting the damage reduction. But Thunder Lizard also gets a damage reduction. So you really have to figure out like what exactly it is you're getting. And it's just those things. It's just all out attack. You're going to be a very aggressive army. And you're also going to your hammers also get to be your anvils because of that minus one damage um similarly for thunder lizard but if you're playing thunder lizard you're really dipping into what they get which is double tap a bastilladon shooting or double tap an engine of the gods summoning or doing engine of the god things i've never seen anybody roll the 18 but you can do if you summon tunes of source knights that's crazy right uh yeah but their artifact is quite frankly garbage it's on a one it breaks for the whole game on oh. a two to five it does like d3 mortals and on a six it does three mortals or yeah. something maybe in, d6 in, in, I prep, don't know. in prep for the show i've been reading my book so yeah i did i did come across that and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit because there's some interesting things i saw on your list that you took um and i was going to ask you a little bit about some of the things that you might have avoided you just answered one of my one of my questions so we won't be bringing that up later but that's a great point that's exactly what i was thinking Right. So like, that's what you're paying for is like, why would you want to be in Kotal's versus Thunder Lizard? But Thunder Lizard, the big thing they get is plus two wounds uh, per monster. And that can be huge. A lot sure. of these lists are running an Engine of the Gods, a Bastilladon, some other monster. If they're running like two or three Bastilladons, like I've seen somebody running like three Arc of Sotex. And when you have damage reduction of one as well, that two wounds ends up being three or four wounds very often. 
So that there is power in that. But if that's not what you're looking to do, like I just have to play one Bastilladon, I play a Scarvet, and a Scarvet is only good in Kotal's Claw. Like that's right. not. Oh yeah. Yep. Words like it's it's unplayable anywhere else. Um, it has no rend anywhere but the Jaws attack. Right. Um, completely unimpressive. You can't beat a three plus save to save your life with the model unless you've got an Eviscerating Blade strapped on, and then you're just like. Right. You spike mortals off, and that's the craziest thing you can be doing. Um, so that's really what you're deciding what you want to be doing. I didn't really want to be going too monster heavy. Like if you're not playing the Stegadons, get to be battle line or anything else, you're you're leaving a lot of value on the table, and that's not where I think the meta is anyway with the galley that meta the way that it is. True. So that's why I ended up being in Codal's uh, Claw because you, again, your hammers get to be your anvils. Your your Saurus knights have seven attacks per model. And that's 71 attacks in a 220-point unit. That yeah. is, you know, re-rolling ones, sixes or mortal wounds in addition, that sort of thing. Like, you can... You you clear an, a six-man unit of dragon ogres in it on statistically even on dice. You're doing 30 wounds to that unit on the charge. Oh, yeah. And that's look, just... I mean, I, I, that's I, how many I, wounds they have, yeah, you know? Yeah, and I lived through it. I mean, you know, you, you were like... You know, here, here's here's 89 mortal wounds, and I've just raided your credit, and you know, I've just flattened all the tires on your <laughs> on your car. I mean, it was like, I, I I mean, I felt like I was I was on the losing end of a hell of a bar fight. But I got to be honest with you, it was also, and this is what I want to go back to. I want to say this one thing before we, and we're going to get into your list here because I'm really sure. excited to get into your list just off that little snippet that you gave us, and what a great explanation for Kotal's Claw and for correcting me because I've been saying it wrong the entire time. Um, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of different ways because um, there's like C O A T L is coatl. That's, um, that's yeah. like a that's like the flying bird lizard thing. Right, is a coatl. So people like the the K. They're just maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's coatl. Maybe it's codals. I don't know. I've always called it codals, but. Uh, it could be. It's, oh, it's made up words. I, it could I'm, be anything. I'm, you just, know? I'm just an ignorant moron. I, I I'm glad I can pronounce sure. my own name. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's it, so so going back to this, you know, I mean, you and I played. We'll, we'll just get back to the point. We're going to talk about your list here in a second. I'm, I don't want to jump ahead. You're, you're going to cause me to jump ahead. <laughs> so absolutely. You, you and I played game three, day one at the Chicago Open. And quite frankly, yeah. and I've said it before, and I'm just, I'll end it with this. It was a fun game. You're, you're a heck of an opponent. Now, the list that we're going to be looking at this evening, that you kind of preface it here. And we're going to be looking at it here later on the show uh, is is for a lot of you folks that are just joining us, it's the Constellation uh, Kotal's Claw. And I can say from firsthand experience, and I'm going to say it again because a few people just joined us, that it hits like a truck. But before we get into this list, let's stick with the Seraphon army as a whole because uh, you just started to touch on Thunder Lizards and, and some of the other points and give us an overview um, of this army because I, I want to I narrow something down and I want to go tie it back to the, the, the general or the army. It, am I wrong because I'm an ignorant cuss, am I wrong when I say that I think Thunder Lizards is is an is kind of the non-thinkers version of Seraphon, or, or is that is that it's really big, ignorant to say? Um, I think it's much more straightforward. What you're trying to do is uh, it's very much in list build, and there's not a lot of ways your opponent can interact with you. You're trying to shoot your Bastilladon twice, and you're giving it extra wounds. You're trying to activate an Engine of the Gods twice. And you're giving it extra wounds. So these are just things that you're doing that your opponent can't do anything about. You're building your army and you're executing your game plan at list building. Um, so it's it's uh, a lot easier to play because there's not a lot of nuance in it. Um, it's really hard to mess up, honestly. It really is. Um, 
just make sure you're if you're doing the engine of the god thing make sure it's near your salon so you get to do it on 3d6 and that's really all you need to pay attention to and just hope that the incremental value you're generating that you built into the list is what you're getting out of it um whereas if your whole army is getting all out attack when it charges you need to be much more cognizant of what you're charging, where you're charging, where your units are positioned, where your screens are, and that sort of deal. I do think it's harder to play, but that just might be uh, my own bias. You know, this is what I'm playing. I'm so smart that I'm that this guy, you know. But uh, I do think it, it, but of those two factions, I think Kotal's Claw requires a bit more nuance to play than uh, Thunder Lizard. Okay, um, then, then I'm, let me peel the onion layer back one more one more little little part here because I think I think we're onto something maybe agreeing. You're saying it a lot better than I am, and, and you're you're a hell of a lot more polite. But I, I'll put it this way: with 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 a list like you're playing, I would say that the nuance there to you know it, it kind of puts you in a position where you have to be a tactician because you know and which which requires patience and brains. And I'm not saying, again, I'm saying more so than say a thunder lizard, because, and I'll tell you why, because your army is, is far less forgiving. If you make a mistake once sure. with that army, it seems like you're going to be paying for it twice. Whereas you may, you may get some reprieve on your errors with say thunder lizards. Is that a fair statement? Uh, a little bit of column A and column B. I think they both uh, are similarly forgiving in that if you, they have like the wound reduction. So if you make a mistake, you're likely going to survive it, but it's how you're going to survive it. Like if you hit the Bastilladon and whatever, like you you screen badly and they get to your engine of the gods, you get your Bastilladon, it's likely going to survive. It's got extra wounds and it takes less damage. I mean, like you're likely going to be okay. You're going to get to shoot it and then shoot it again in the next turn or activate it, activate it again in the next turn. Whereas if you tie up my Kotal's Claw guys, they're not going to charge. They're not right. going to get that. They're not going to get that bonus. Um, they and because they're not going to get that bonus, the lances are doing less damage. Um, it's a lot harder for me to work my way out of that bad scenario than it is for the Thunder Lizard player. Um, and a lot of times, the Thunder Lizard guys are running ten skanks or twenty yeah, like, ten okay. skank blobs or whatever. Yeah, and they can screen a lot better than five knights can. So when you position five knights, you got to be very precise on you know where they are. Whereas with the ten skanks, you're just like here's guys, yeah, you, you killed them. Congratulations, yeah, send them yeah, to their deaths. They're dead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like whatever. That's fine. They're not. They're here for you to kill. Whereas like again, being my hammers and my anvils, you got to be very. Uh, cunning with how you're playing them because you can lose a lot of value just getting hit got it all right good good point now i like the way you put that you helped me you helped me kind of rationalize a big portion of this army in 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 my in my brain so let's 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 go on with another point that i have that i want to talk to you about from a from a five thousand foot view of the army Sure. So let's look at the current meta right now with with magic centric armies in the game such as you know and i'm talking about competitors of seraphon right uh, sure. Let's look at the new Zeech, or say Cities of Sigmar, or maybe even Slanesh at times, depending on the player. Seraphon, I got to tell you, they they remain one of the strongest armies in the game right now, both from a magic and fighting standpoint. Um, they 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 offer some solid flexibility in their list builds, and, and even with the one I just kind of mother effed. I mean, I'm not, I mean, again, I wasn't mother effing uh, Thunder Lizards per sure. se, but I love the cohesion that's in this book from 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 soup to nuts. And for, it's really from any build standpoint. But yet, why why don't you see more of these armies in the meta right now? I mean, I think you might have been, I, I believe you were the only Seraphon player at the tournament at the Chicago Open. Uh, there uh, there was another guy who had Seraphon, but they were like, they were riding cabbages. So his uh, Stegodons oh. were cabbages. Okay. Um, 
and there's a lot of conversion work in that. And there was a, there, I think there was two others. There was okay. that cabbage guy, and there's one guy playing uh, like uh, a croak list. Okay. Uh, croak with knights. There were knights, so I think it was Thunder Lizard. I would assume it was Thunder Lizard. Yeah. But I don't know. But as good as they are, I mean, you know, everyone right now jumped on the Zinch bandwagon. Look, look at the fervor we're going to talk about here in a second with the Slaves of Darkness you know, leaks. You know, all these are, and and here's Slaves. Uh, here's uh, Seraphon just kind of just kind of pumping along. You know, doing well, pretty good. I, I and, think. And, if there's a point to make about what makes uh, Seraphon good or possibly even too good, I think it has to be on the Slon's shoulders. Just your generic 265-point Slon. Uh, he's a triple caster. Croak, we're talking a about just the Slon. Just the Slon. Right. I mean, the Croak's obviously better. I mean, he does sure. it four times, whereas this, the Slon sure. only does it three times sure. and plus two versus plus one. He is better. But just the Slon, if you compare him to like any other caster in the game, um, he's a triple caster, a triple denier. Anywhere on the board, not 30 inches, anywhere on the board, he's denying spells. So you don't have to like have him bo- have him forward to deny your enemy spells and also have them in your deny range and have that sort of like cadence back and forth play that a lot of other, other armies have to risk themselves into so that they can actually deny spells. The Slon can just be in the back corner a million miles from everybody casting his spells, which are also board wide. Um, and that's a package at 265 points. That might be where I would say... That might be too good. Um, looking at like at at the time of the tournament, the twins Alania and Elathor were 285 points. They're a plus one caster and they're a double caster. They do fight leagues better than the Slons. So that's what you're getting for the extra 20 points or whatever. But I don't know that that's worth the same thing. Like if I had to pick a unit that's a little bit oppressive, I'd say it's the Slon um, for okay. sure. I don't right. know how you, you build a list without a salon in it, whether it's Croak or the, just the star master, you know? Well, I mean, that's kind of their calling card though. I mean, top tier casting, right? I mean, I sure. mean, they, they, they yes, have some absolutely. of the best spell casters in the game. You know, you can throw out endless spells to, 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 you want to puke. I mean, and, and, you know, and they don't come back to, 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 to wreck you. I mean, they're, they're, you have that. I yep. also, what I was also impressed with in our game was you have tons of ways to gain command points. I mean, you have access to yeah. tons of relics and tons of uh, war scroll abilities to generate CP. I mean, granted, with an army like this where you get a lot of gears, you're obviously you're going to need them. But I got to tell, that was another little innate thing that this army does. Yeah, a lot of people uh, they they know the Slon does, and he gives you on a four plus. He has two dice on four plus. You get a command point. The Star Seared one dice four plus. You get a command point. The Star Priest is five plus. You get a command point, and. I used to play Warlord Battalions. You'd have you'd have more command points than you even know what to do with. Honestly, it's <laughs> like, like you just, yeah. I don't I don't have enough people to issue commands. And like with all out attack not being a thing, I issue all that often because my guys have it when they attack, or they have the other one, or all out defense just being better. Like there's a I just have I, I'm ending turns. I'm like, all right, well, I guess these three command points are gone. Whatever, right. life goes on. Yeah, but yeah. It's it is a very command point efficient. Uh, or generating army. And I think people have mentioned it before, whereas a lot of armies aren't. So like when I talk to my brother, who's a Lumineth player, like he's all like, well, like, you know, I get two command points from this. If I play this guy, I can get an extra command point sometimes. And my right. shrine gives me a command point. And like, and he's like planning out his turn for like everything he needs. And he's using all his points. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't have that problem. Uh, I have a command point every time I need one. I've got one. Yeah, I mean, and I think, but that's another innate thing that they can build upon, and I, I think they yeah, get, absolutely. I think they get overlooked with their fighting ability. I think that they're, that, I mean, I, will, I mean, you guys hit like a truck, you guys cast like a truck. You got, you got. Well, I mean, obviously, skinks probably don't. I mean, I get all that. I mean, everyone's got to uh, have their. 
it's uh it's kind of a mixed bag i guess um there's no rend anywhere in the army i don't have a single point of rend like the jaws you've got minus one rend on the jaw attack and the skink shooting attack has minus one rend so if you've got a really good save like uh stormcast eternals are really honestly a kind of a nightmare matchup for me um just with what they can do with because a lot of their stuff is prayers which i can't interact with so they teleport for free whatever they want Whereas a lot of times I can just like slot and all right, take care of that. Those orcs aren't going anywhere. Sure. Um, so that's kind of a, a tough point is you don't have rend. So if you got a four plus save, which I guess is a good save in Age of Sigmar, obviously, or worse, if you have a five plus a six plus save, Saurus Knights look incredible. Like sure. 70, 70 attacks and they're all hitting on four pluses or better. Two plus, three plus, four plus. Yeah. Like for a different set of the attacks, like they hit great. Like they my wound beast, like my beast of well. chaos. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you got a four but, plus save. Like th- they're gonna chew through you like like nothing. But if you got right. a three plus save and you can constantly be on a two plus save, like uh Sylvaneth also really bad. Those tree lords are constantly on a two plus save, or uh the big guys, the not the tree lords, the guys just below tree lords, whatever they are, uh also two plus save. Oh, and it's just like I can't think of them. All right, I'm gonna be here for the rest of my life yeah. fighting this one freaking unit with scythes or big swords or whatever right. the heck. Oh, the current, the current Kur- hunters. Kur- hunters. hunters. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. okay. So let's, 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 before, before we get onto the, the, the news and all that other good stuff, you know, and, and then eventually onto the list, let's, uh, mm-hmm. let, let's, let me ask you this. So you mentioned Stormcast, you mentioned, you mentioned Sylvaneth. What's, what's another army? Give me one more. What, what, what causes Dean, Dean Bills to kind of get a little nervous when he's walking up to the table? What, give me another I mean, army. Oh, Old Zinch, and that's only because I have a bad track record against Caleb Walters. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's just losing the way that you lose to Zinch, it always feels bad. Right. Like uh, right. I'm casting spells and they're summoning units because I'm casting spells and the whole thing, like he's changing a dice once a game with Kairos and whatever else. Right. Summoning six yeah, the whole. I think it's just because it was Caleb, and again against Anthony, who played again. We can touch on that last game as well. Very similar list because there's not a lot of ways to build competitive Zinch on the right. previous book. It's just right. Kairos, Lord of Change, some crap, and a change caster. You right. know, right? Um, but and obviously this time I had Cronspine, which I think if your point about the meta is like being spellcasting heavy, I think Cronspine is the other thing I would say. It's very spellcasting heavy and it's very Cronspine heavy right now. Yeah. Um, right. Allegedly the battle scroll will change that this month whenever mm-hmm. that happens. But as of right now, um, and it's kind of, there's a lot of armies with Cronspines at the top tables, as I'm sure you saw. Oh yeah. And th- those are both things that Seraphon's very good against because I'm a plus one denier just by sitting on the table at board wide three denies, which is more cast than a lot of armies have. Sure. And Cronspine is, he has six attacks, eight attacks at one damage or something against my army. Right. It's just, it's just not a good model against uh thunder lizard or Seraphon, which I understand why uh, people are upset about, you know, Seraphon reducing damage. If all you want to do is play uh Cronspines. Sure. You know, Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's, and that's, uh, and that's a good point. And, you know, and that's where, you know, I guess we'll end it here before we get to the, uh, uh, the, the next topic here, but, um, that's what we always say. Is it the, is it the army or the general, you know, it wasn't so much old Zeech that made you nervous. It was the guy that was playing them against you. Uh, new Zeech, any early thoughts, any, any, any thoughts on that one before we roll on? I, I think it's a whole book of nonsense. Um, on, unbindable endless spells that auto cast and can't be taken off the board for the first turn. Like I, I mean, I don't understand how it's a rule, but 
so there's just there's there's just nonsense in the book and uh yeah i i think it looks like a good book minus the the stupid nonsense that i hope gets facked away or changed somehow yeah know? yeah but otherwise i think it looks like a very good solid book all around yeah um, i agree other with than you. that I agree, I agree with you on all that and you know I, I, coming up uh, with with the with the new book that's going to be coming out here in a month the uh, i guess the update or whatever you want to call it uh, I'm nervous, yeah. Dean. I am. I, I'm afraid my Beastie Boys are going to get clobbered on that one. They're they're kind of riding high right now, and they're doing pretty good. And I'm I'm thinking they're going to take away some of their tricks. I hope they don't. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure what they'll change because Battle Scrolls generally don't change points. At right. least the last two times Battle Scrolls didn't change points, they just added some rules here and there, or they made things like worth more VP, which I hope they don't do again. Right. I really hated the uh, priority targets and Prime Hunters and all that. I hated that. Yeah. Yeah, um, me too. But uh, so did every Sons of Behemoth player. Yeah, as if I mean, that's an army that uh, people love to hate. It's just <laughs> it, every it's, every game has one. It's, it's Imperial Knights. It's Imperial Knights for AOS, is what it is. Right, and it's the same people like Luminath. It's just an army that people love to hate, despite it not having like a real winning record. Um, right. Like Luminath has like a 44 percent right. record going yeah. into the new book, yeah. and it's just like everyone's like, "All oh, those freaking Sentinels, they'll just do their Sentinel thing." It's like, yeah, if you're not prepared to like deal with Sentinels, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, and that sucks. You know, I, I think people they don't, don't win like, games. I think people don't like Luminath because everybody wanted high elves back. You know, they, they wanted and, and, and they didn't get that. But that's a whole nother show. That's we actually did kind of a show on that sure. if you want to go back and watch it. But all right, let's uh let's move on to the next topic here. So here it is. Here's the proverbial question for you, Dean. Are you staying true or are you sniffing glue? What's happening in your uh in your hobby and your uh your, your tournament? Well you you got a big tournament coming up. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so uh currently as my as far as my hobby goes, I'm working on uh this model. Very cool this guy here. Nice. Yeah, so that uh my buddy Victor Sfransky, uh picked up some Bone Reapers for me. I'd mentioned in Adepticon I was looking if I was going to pick up another army, it'd be from Death, and I would really like the look, the aesthetic of the Bone Reapers. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not super good unless you're Bill Souza playing whatever Bill Souza nonsense is, five zero in a Michigan GT yeah. or whatever. Yeah, if you're not doing that, they're uh, a broken check you know, piece and some lint. He's winning everything. Yeah, right. And uh, so he picked up that, and I've been I've built like 2000 points of those guys since i got back from uh the gt and i've just started painting the terrain piece and that's what i'm working on now is the bone type texas awesome um but on the tournament they uh the best general and the best overall from all of the uh opens and like nova gt and it was only supposed to be one person from adepticon but i think the emma debacle oh, yeah. right I, i'm not sure if you'll recall that that I happened do. yeah, so yeah. Two we, had, we had her on the show right after it happened yeah yeah so that happened so the two people went from there so basically there's this it's an invitational they pave your whole way out to this resort in new mexico this year i think last year it was somewhere else in the west but it's new mexico this year the resort looks nice um they fly out on a friday we're only playing the championship invitational on uh saturday sunday and the way it, they have it listed is basically it's double elimination inside of your bracket. So if you won best general, you're only playing against best generals. And if you won best overall, you're only playing against other best overalls. Which I so it's I'm not sure how many people there are in this. I really don't know. Like of those five events, I mean it's five best generals, five best overalls, and it's double elimination. And they're saying you're playing anywhere from two if you lose both games to seven games. I haven't done the math on how many people that pairs out to exactly right. but uh, i can't imagine it's more than eight people in each side 
so I'll, I'm going to go. I'm going to just going to enjoy the resort. Um, going to buy my wife a plane ticket. We're going to go together and uh, just enjoy the resort for the the days and play some Sigmar in between. And you know, you know how these go. Like the opens um, yeah. that they've had, they have our room, our Age of Sigmar room at this event didn't even have a streaming booth so we didn't have any streamed age of sigmar games it's not the priority of gw is age of sigmar so i'm not sure like what the uh the illustriousness of this event is and i mean they did it last year too and i know caleb walters went um and he did however i think he went 5-0 actually at the thing and they had this normal everybody plays everybody i guess last year or something um, but, but you're but, saying this year nope. it's a little more structured. It's best general versus best general, and best overall versus best overall, and that's I, how it's. I go. think they did that. I think they did that last year too. Oh, but see. now it's double elimination or something. Oh, I see. Um, okay. Okay. And I think they're going to have one winner. But you don't. Again, I, I'm saying I don't know what happened last year. Do you know what happened last year? Like, there's I, I don't, no like. I don't. Yeah, they they, they kind of there's no PR. fanfare. There's no. nothing about it. No. no one knows. It's not like this big thing. Like, hey, these are the eight best generals of in america this year or whoever the tournaments were i think they were all in america yeah america yeah, that, yeah and and again i think they're talking about how they're bringing in like uh in international judges for the event so they're gonna have like fly a whole bunch of judges from europe to judge the different high tables at least of 40k i'm sure uh, i'm not yeah, sure what they're gonna do for sigmar i imagine but uh so Probably it's just, just wave a as complete, they walk by. yeah a complete lack of fanfare <laughs> um so it's well, like I'm excited to go. I'm excited to have a plane ticket to a resort in New Mexico in November. I think that's very cool. Um, don't get me wrong. I think that's a very cool thing to do. I just wish there was more, you know, hype, hype or just some notoriety about it. Yeah. Like, I don't even know who the other people are who are going. It's not like you don't get your picture up on the webpage. Like, these are the competitors. Like, this is the thing. Like, these seats are, they call them golden tickets. And like, yeah, I, I don't know who they are. I don't know who I'm playing against. Right. Yeah, I imagine yeah. like, yeah, I bet I bet it is a little bit of a downer because you know you had to work really hard, you know, to to get where you're at, and I I I can I can I can sympathize with that for for sure. Yeah, but again, again, not like taking away from the event or anything. I'm not like I'm really appreciative of the opportunity and everything like that. I'm not saying GW don't do this, but I'm saying do more. You know, like yeah. it doesn't cost you anything to put like a splash page on your webpage and just like the picture of your event winner. Like these are the people who are playing. You know, just even even that. Just having that would be like a big step up of like these are the like the best people in America right now. Which I mean, uh, the Brits will be like, oh, the winner of the Special <laughs> Olympics or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's it's their game. You know, they they get a little touchy about that, I suppose. Yeah, it, exactly. You, you know, I was watching the Honest Wargamer, and he's like, all right, let's look at the five O list from uh, the the Chicago Open GT and Cold Call. Fucking America, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, I you know th- that's got to go on a t-shirt somewhere. We we got to find a way to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, fucking America. That is, <laughs> like, that is priceless. Yeah, that yeah is he was talking stuff. like I'm, like the uh, Team America World Police movie America. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a delight. <laughs> and, uh. Sometimes it does feel like that being from America, like the way they look at us is just like, that's our theme song. You know, we're just like, we think we're the best or whatever, but they yeah. know better. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, it's, I, I would, I, yeah. You know what? They, they, they must, uh, they must laugh quite a bit, 
But um, right. So yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine. I'm I'm very proud of you, though, man. I mean, it it couldn't happen to a better guy. You're a hell of a competitor, and and, and I hope you win the whole thing. I, I I hope you win the whole thing. I really do. I'll be we'll be rooting for you. I know uh, here in Grimdark. I know that we're definitely going to be doing that. We we we're going to be waiting to see. I don't know what the prize is. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I say I win the whole thing. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I get. Maybe it's Dude. another golden ticket to somewhere. Right? Is it the flight home? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, that is classic. That is classic. Well, um, my uh, my stay in truer sniffing glue is really not remotely as awesome as yours. Uh, but I started a new uh, hobby army, and it was kind of because of the uh, uh, the, the the awesome guy that uh, broke the uh, Slaves of Darkness release. Uh, uh, you kind of uh, kind of he kind of provoked me to start a Slaves of Darkness army, but kind of in the ilk of the old. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the original story from uh, the Chaos Hordes. I believe it was in seventh edition, and I think it was written by C. L. Werner. I believe uh, it had to do with the Blight Tribe, and and it was this tribe of uh, Chaos warriors that had uh, driven into Bretonia. And uh, they were held up at this fortress, and they were sieged, and they didn't know if they were going to make it out. So they, they basically just prayed to Nurgle. And next thing you know, and, and, and as the story kind of went on loosely, uh, they kind of, this tribe kind of what eventually became Blight Kings. And so um, the, the, the story is kind of, um, and I remember reading it. And, and Dean, I don't know if you've ever read something where it just kind of pulls you in. And I think it was the first time for sure. me I kind of said, yeah, you know what? They write Nurgle better than anything. I don't care if it's 40K, look at Death Guard. I don't care if it's Age of Sigmar. The Nurgle stories yeah, I, are by and away better than anything. Yeah, I just, I, I, w- I always gravitated towards Nurgle when I played 40K. I had a Chaos Army and it was very Death Guard heavy. I mean, I tried to play Undivided a little bit, but I really gravitated towards like just being tough and like the the way the lore of Grandpapa Nurgle and all of that, just like that sort of fun stuff. There's no lore on the Thousand Sons. I don't know what these rubric, there's nothing about rubric Marines. They're just no. piles of dust in some suits or whatever. No one cares. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, right. But, but no I mean, character. you can, you can, but you know, oh boy, Nurgle's a whole nother topic for another show. But yeah, so that's what I'm doing right now. I've just started it and, uh, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So yeah, granted, not as cool as you're uh, staying true or sniffing glue. And compared to you, I'm sniffing glue. But uh, but I'm staying true, man. I'm, I've, I've got uh, I've got that happening. But in the news, let's uh, let's jump into this. Have you checked out the uh, the most recent um, news with the rumor engine? Have you seen that one yet? Yeah, I uh, saw the picture. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I honestly, it makes me. Th- Think of like KO a little bit. It's like got some rivets on it. Yeah. So I think those are like mechanical wings of some variety. And that's all I can think of is like Caradron Overlords. I mean, that's all I can really think of that would have that kind of mechanical fibrous wing look. Yeah. I'm thinking fins, fish, lizard. I, I have no idea. I mean, one, one of the uh, rumors I heard earlier today when it, for when it first dropped on the Warhammer page uh, was... Um, uh, could be like sky goblins. You know, everybody ever since Crodgen Overlord sure. came out, everybody wanted everybody wanted sky goblins. You know, which I think would be right. a rip. Oh, okay. We we got Pooh Rock. By the way, that is one of the that's in contention for one of the better names here on the chat on Grimdark Live. Pooh Rock. I don't know who that is, but I admire I admire your choice in a name. Uh, going back to my, if I could be a ten year old <laughs> and laugh about the word Pooh, um, Goblin Doom Diver. I hope. I really do. Something like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I don't know much about goblins, but if you're going to give dwarves something, you got to give the goblins the same thing, right? That's how it works in every lore system. It, if you're going to have mechanical to. dwarves, you have to have mechanical goblins. Those are the rules. They're both underground. Yeah, I mean that's I mean absolutely. I mean you'd have to do that. But yeah, I, we're we're not we're not really sure what that is. But uh, Dean's probably more right than I am for sure. Yeah, I honestly, I wonder if it's uh you know possibly something Seraphon with Seraphon coming up soon. Um, Getting a, they've got to be for like first quarter next year is uh, the rumor for the new book for Seraphon. Right, right. So I wonder if it's like some you know new model for that, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's nothing really mechanical currently in the army. I mean, there is some like they have like the howda on the uh, yeah. Stegodon. Maybe there's something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, it's it's something. I, that's just my guess. You know, I'm not sure. But uh, but Rain, you got it, man. We are definitely going to be uh, getting another game, and it was awesome to uh, play against you at. Uh, uh, at, at the Chicago Open for sure, but let's uh, let's keep rolling, man. We got uh, we got the old world coming up, and this one I, I got like I said before when we're offline, we're off uh, off the air. I said uh, I got mixed emotions about this man, and and it's kind of like watching your brand new Cadillac go over a cliff with your mother in law in the back seat. I just got I just got mixed emotions, man. I don't know yeah, about this. Yeah, um, there every Du Bois is the local tournament here in uh, Rochester, and it's actually coming up the same weekend that I'm going to New Mexico, which kind of sucks because I really love going to Du Bois. I think it's one of my favorite tournaments of the year, and they sell out instantly to give you an idea of like how popular this event is in Rochester in November, which is a miserable place to be in November, yet it sells out every time. It's an absolutely wonderful event, and I can't recommend it enough if you can make it up or if you're already signed up, get on the wait list, whatever. Oh, I, I, one but, of these days, I know of it. I know of it. I've heard of it. But to the point is that they have a uh, Warhammer Classic, and they play 8th edition every year since they blew up the world. And there's always people who show up to play just that event, and they don't play anything else. They just go for that. So I know there's a market for it. And for me, it feels just like, you know, World of Warcraft Classic. There's certainly a market. Some people want to relive that nostalgia. It's just not for me. I really didn't enjoy the game previously, previous to it being Sigmar, but... uh, if there's a market for it and they want to put things on square bases, that's cool, I guess. It's not yeah. for me, though. You know what? I got to be honest with you. I don't miss those days. You know, I, I was raised in the gaming world in those days. Rank and Plank was good to me. I've got fond memories. But you know what? I think Sure. I, I say this now, you know, let, let's see how my constitution holds up when I get all full of sentiments and, and, and memories. But I don't miss the days of a six-hour game. I really don't. I, I don't I don't miss the days of taking 45 minutes to set up and then Purple Sun wipes out all your units. Um, and I know this is kind of a, <laughs> see, I, I gave you one of those non-flashbacks, didn't I, Dean? You remember those days. <laughs> I, I honestly don't. I never really got to play. I played a little bit of fantasy battles, but I'd never really, it wasn't my competitive game. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. You coming know what, through. You know what? It was, it was as good as it was terrible. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say this, you know what? Uh, they blew up the world for a reason. You know, I think they had to restart the game. I think it was important uh, for them to do that. Uh, and this is a Forge World, you know, studio project. This is kind of something they're going to come out with. They want a 30K for their for right. their fantasy. Um, and, and I kind of feel the same way you are. I'm happy that there's a collective group out there that embrace this. I love that. Absolutely. Um, but I, I think Absolutely. If I, yeah, but I think if I wanted squares and rectangles, I would have played Kings of War. I would have gravitated towards the Ninth, ninth Age or whatever that, that co- collective group of gamers was. Um, right. And I didn't. There was a reason, you know. Uh, and so... I think through the good, the bad, and the ugly of Age of Sigmar, and you remember the early days, Age of Sigmar, you know, zero, when it was no points or no nothing. I, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I I had feelings about it for sure. Um, this was like big when I, like when I was big into Malifaux, that's when they blew up the world. And I yeah. was just like, how, how do you have a game with no points? 
And also, uh, how do you have a game that has like codified rules for who has the largest beard? Like, come on. Oh, man. and, and like, howl and yeah, you know what? Yeah, like, uh, like. I mean, there's a point where I don't mind you blowing up the world as a as a, even if it's just a business decision. There was too many skews that weren't selling. You know, right. you had the whole line wasn't selling as well as just the Space Marines were. I get it as, as a business decision, fine. But like. At, when you're doing that, those sort of rules, you're just you're really taking a shot at players, and I understand entirely how like the players felt when that happened, like just poorly treated by oh, yeah, GW well, with the, 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 guy that, the guy that lit his entire dark elf army on fire. Put it on YouTube. Remember that one? I I do, yeah. I do, and I've yeah. lighting <laughs> things on fire as a form of protest is the wildest <laughs> thing to me, like. Like people who are like reading J.K. Rowling's books on fire, like she already has your money. Yeah, right. Like, are you going to buy more books to light them on fire? You're giving her money. Like, yeah. you're you're not hurting the company. You're not hurting anybody. You're just making a spectacle. And like, I get it. You you feel bad, but right. That that's not the way to do it. Just yeah. don't buy future stuff. Which, if that's what you're doing, good job. You you spoke with your wallet. They listened, and Sigmar is a wildly better game than it was when it was released, oh, yeah. you know? And, and and I think it's better than, than whatever fantasy was. You know, I've, all, I've often said that I think 8th edition was almost a perfect game with a couple of house rules. Uh, I think Age sure. of Sigmar is light years ahead of that. Uh, and I'm talking about 8th edition right. fantasy battles here, gang. And, and, you know, going back to the business thing, you know, before we move on to our last news topic is plastic kits. You know, they're back into production. Um, yeah. I know that I've heard, I've been reading a lot about their, you know, they're moving a lot of the most popular fine cast kits. I know the past couple of days you've seen stuff come out like the Bretonians and now they got orcs and, you know, they're, they're actually going to actual polyvulcanized plastic, which is good getting away from that fine crap. Um, and, and I think that they're doing the right thing. They're touching all those right nerves. They're grabbing the Bretonian yeah. nostalgia and saying, look, we got your grail night back. They're grabbing all the green skins and saying, look, look what we got for you. And, and I, I think they're already making the right moves, but I'm curious to really see, is this going to be like 30K where it takes off like a rocket and then it levels off like, and, and you, you have just, and I hope it does. I hope there's a, there's a, a, a cult following out there for it. It's not, it's not for us, but Hey, you know what? I'm glad that it's exactly, exactly that. And like, as I love 30K Horus heresy, whatever they're calling it these days, right. I, I, I love that as an option for people who just want to play space Marine on space Marine battles. That's super cool. Yeah. Go have fun with that. It's not for me. I love my Necrons. And if I'm going to play 40K, I'm going to shoot you with stupid little laser beams or whatever. Like, that's right. that's what I'm there to do. But, uh, and there has to be a plateau, to your point. Like, there's only so many people that are interested in this. And you're not going to bring new people into, like, this kind of archaic, old style of war game. Right. I mean, what there was a reason it failed. I mean, like, that's at the end of the day, there was a reason it failed. Oh, well, and it's... Yeah, the big reason is you know, you, you know, hopefully people aren't having to walk around with the Gutenberg Bible. You know, every time they want to like look sure. up a rule or yeah, I mean they don't want to get right. into that again. Um, all right, so here it is. We got our last topic of the news, and this is the fun one here, Dean. We got our can is back. We got the uh, Slaves to Darkness leak, and uh, I got to tell you, not since the Cruel Boys were uh, were leaked uh, has there been this much hype about a uh, sneak peek in an army and. You know this this kid. And I, I'm going to say he's a kid because he looked. I don't know how young he is. Let's just say this this young per, young guy. Uh, sure. He had the, he had the new Slaves of Darkness Codex. He leaked the whole darn thing on the Facebook page, Slaves of Darkness pa Facebook page. They nuked it. Right. But you know, like good gamers, we all are. We held on to as many of those pictures as we possibly could. What the you... internet's forever. I mean, <laughs> exactly. we all know it. The internet's forever. Yeah. I mean, what did you think when? I mean, you okay? So so you know, obviously. You play your Seraphon, but you do have a little of that Death Guard in you. So what did you think when you saw this? 
honestly, for me, it's it's been too much. Like I've been trying to digest the Lumineth book um, because that's oh, coming yeah. out, okay. and my brother plays Lumineth, and he's got events coming up because he was still planning to go to Du Bois and everything else. So I was trying to digest that book. Sons of Bayamot came out. Zinch, where at the same time came out. There's like these three books, and then you throw slave these uh, slaves of darkness on top, and I don't even have a street date for these guys. Yeah, December. I mean, obviously it's December. Yeah, it's soonish. There's a book. It's been printed. Right. I mean, but they they probably want to release it with maybe there's new models or whatever they're doing, new kits or something. I don't know what the plan is. So it's like I haven't even looked at it because like for me, um, and especially with me trying to go to a tournament and waiting right. for a battle scroll update and everything. I'm trying to, to digest what I'm going to see, you know, trying to like make sure like my list is good versus what I plan to be up against at this event. And it's not going to be Slaves of Darkness. So I've kind of, I've seen it. I've seen some stuff. Um, it doesn't look too crazy to me, right. but uh, I mean, I, it's cool that it's out there. And honestly, I, I think that companies really need to lean into like spoilers a bit more. Um because this, this always happens, like, especially when companies are like, they're against the spoilers happening. Um, they see it with like all these games, like Magic, whatever, whatever spoilers are happening. When they're, they're like illicit spoilers, they always get people hyped. Like, oh, it's illegitimate. I'm not supposed to see this. This is a thing. And, like, it always gets people psyched up. You think that one of these PR companies would have like thought of this by now and like fabricated the whole thing, like fabricated leaks of once every so often so it doesn't like become routine, you know? Right. Now, but, now, part uh, of me, yeah. and, all right. So, so now, now I got my black helicopter hat on here. My my conspiracy theory. Sure, so I'm absolutely. Jump, I'm, I'm jumping in right with you here, Dean. So, so when this first happened, and I got to tell this because I'm I'm kind of a whack job, but when this first happened, I thought to myself, okay, wait a minute. Now the rumor was, in case anyone knows, and this is what I've heard, folks. I don't have this on a definitive basis. I have this on a as, on a rumor, and I, I imagine the person who told me this is uh, kind of a lunatic himself. So, but sure. the rumor is. This, this guy ordered something from the warehouse and out of the Nashville warehouse or Knoxville warehouse, whichever one, and they shipped right. the wrong thing. You ordered a Slave's Darkness something and they shipped him the, the, this big army box with the book and the dice and the War Scroll cards and everything else in it. It's and, probably the holiday package, I would think. Probably yes, like the holiday, that's exactly what holiday it was. Package. Yeah. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a gaffe. It was a mistake. And this kid basically won the Warhammer lottery and decided he was going to put it out all over Facebook. And so I, sure. I think, but, but part of me went, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Sure. Like, what are the odds, right? What are the odds? Yeah. Uh, su- surprisingly high. Like, I don't know if you like follow random like Reddits or like other random things. Like these people getting like shit, they buy like one processor or one video card from Amazon and they get shipped a whole case of yeah. video cards. And this happens like way, way more often than you would think possible for a company to exist, yeah. you know? And I got to admit, I, my conspiracy hat went on and I went, yeah, this is, you know what it is? It's free marketing. He's going to hit up that exactly. Facebook and, 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 and it worked. Everybody literally lost their minds. They, they, they loved yeah, it. Yeah. You just, you, you make it special. You make this fake, oh, we're going to take it down or whatever. And right. You know, you're not taking anything down and they just generate all this hype for, you know, something that hasn't really changed all that much yeah. you know and, and anything i'll be honest with you this kid's already sold i i bet you this christmas box or this holiday box whatever you want to call it when it comes out i you watch oh, this it's, thing it's, it's sold gonna out be sold out just like that this thing's yeah. gonna be a yeah absolutely so i my, my i tip my hat to the kid i you know, guy i keep calling it that, that's extremely disrespectful right I, oh my gosh i can't i can't figure out why i've got such few friends um <laughs> sure <laughs> 
But, you know, I, I do want to touch on one thing before we move on to the Seraphon list here, which is an awesome list, folks. you got to stick around. Uh, Dean's got a lot of awesome stuff to say. Plus, you're going to get to hear again about how he beat the crap out of me at the Chicago Open. Um, yes. So the, <laughs> I like how he tuned in on that one. Now, the... Uh, <laughs> So, but but looking at some of the points, I don't know if you saw him, Dean. But um, you know, chosen went up. Uh, they, they went up from one forty-five to I believe two forty. That's a pretty steep change. Uh, I think they got this pretty much just this tough retributor type war scroll. Uh, a couple of the people um, I think are are looking at it in the conversations I've had. Really think Nurgle is going to be a uh, probably the best mark to give this army. I mean, I, a lot of things with it with this with this mark is, you know, you, you just warriors of chaos are now back you know that we got our eighth edition sure. warriors of chaos back again i mean you know they're already gonna be a three plus save you put all out defense on them they're two plus nurgle gives every enemy unit within three inches negative one to wound uh they, they got right. ren now um i just think that that probably and i think second probably zeech i think zeech with their with their ability to transport units all over the place uh i yeah. think that's going to be a close second uh maybe with play style maybe maybe tied with nurgle on that one and i think of course corn and uh and, and Slanash are tied for third. Everything I've seen in the early drops. But um, did this entice you at all? I mean, here you are, a Seraphon player. Do you, any 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 opportunity you'll see yourself as a Slaves of Darkness player? Uh, probably not anywhere in the near term because uh, like I'm trying to we, I'm trying to like balance like my armies with what my, like my the people I ha- or have around me are playing. And uh, we didn't have a death army, so I picked up a death army. You know, um, I'm not. My brother has a million bloodthirsters and Victor is playing a million flies. They played 17 flies in Chicago. So there's not really much room for me to get into something and uh, kind of make it my own, you know, because if I'm going to tune a list and make it good, I'm just going to play whatever Victor's playing. Because, you know, if you're a group and you're, you're, you're uh, playing the same army, but you're playing different lists, you're both wrong, right? right. I right. mean, you're, right. you're, you're both not making the right decision. Yeah. And by the way, um, Victor's a really awesome guy. It was a really pleasure to meet him. And, you know, and, and, and he, like you, Dean, you guys are always welcome at our war meets. I'll make sure you guys get those invites. If you're ever around the Chicagoland area, Dean, you got, you got to make it into one of the war meets. Good time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love traveling to Chicago. I mean, a lot of people like always talk shit about the area and the city and everything else. I, I, I love every time I've been to Chicago. I, I love it. I mean, I love going to Schaumburg for Adepticon. I love being in the city, just walking around. We got like, chicken shack somebody's chicken shack oh, uh, Harold, harold's chicken or, oh my goodness is absolutely delightful the biggest portions you could possibly yeah. imagine and, just and, and the greatest the greatest billboard them. of any fast food restaurant it's it's this chef with a big machete chasing after a chicken <laughs> yeah that's the billboard oh man it's and fantastic they were right down the street from the hotel and it was oh man absolutely i love i love the city and like you just walk around like i didn't but then again you know i i don't feel unsafe pretty much anywhere even in new orleans new orleans right after the hurricane when right. that was apparently everyone was saying it was like really bad and i had a great time in new orleans walking around the city with my brother you know like so but i love chicago and as often as i can get out there i can definitely get out there awesome awesome well folks uh stick around we're gonna be right back with our awesome guest dean bills and we're gonna be talking about his seraphon list and uh and uh, a lot of other good stuff so stick around we'll be right back hey gang i want to thank you for being with us today on grimdark live thanks for being with us on tonight's show But before we get into our main topic here on the show, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker and become a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, check out our podcast or blog sections, attend an upcoming event, or 
Should you know that GrimdarkLive.com has some great products in our shop, T-shirts, hoodies, caps, dice, and a ton more. So get your swag on with Grimdark Live merch. Also, from GrimdarkLive.com, you can find us on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and other social media platforms. We're constantly updating the website, so check it out for new stuff on the site. But with all that said, we just want to thank you for being part of this show and being here with us tonight, here on Grimdark Live. Now, let's get to the main topic of the show. Here, lizard, lizard. We're going to be talking about Seraphon, man. We got uh, we got more on this coming up. So, let's get into this. Uh, so, to many, uh, and again, a few people have just joined us, so I want to kind of preface that uh, uh, our conversation here. So, you know, to many Seraphon players and opponents, I just want to say this right now: they they they, they may be familiar with seeing. Uh, uh, a, a thunder lizard type list. And if you caught kind of our conversation uh, prior to the break, uh, we, we kind of, you, well, you listened to, to Dean uh, very eloquently kind of, kind of put it much better than I did uh, about different lists in the Seraphon book, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, thunder lizards uh, with Bastilladons all over the table. Uh, and over the past year or so, we've seen something interesting, or at least I have, uh, Dean, with, uh, with, with the Seraphon list. The, the meta has even seen some, Skink-heavy lists, you know, using, say, Fangs yeah. of Sotek way back in the day. Uh, but from a coalesced standpoint, which is the, 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 the type of army you play, uh, rather than use the popular build of, say, Thunder Lizards, you went with uh, Coddle's, Coddle's Claw. And I mention this because in, in, in the list of yours that we're going to be reviewing here soon, uh, you have, and I believe... I'm going to say this right now. You've cracked the code on another successful way to play this army using uh, Coddle's Claw. So, Dean, let's let's get into your list tonight. Uh, and, and everyone here, uh, I want you guys to understand something. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm not saying this because the man beat the hell out of me in the game, and I'm not saying this because he's here with us. But I'm, I think you guys are going to see something, kind of a glimpse into uh, a good tactician, a good tactical list. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. All coalesced units, um, you know, uh, are are good in their own way but i think this is definitely more of a general's army than it is uh the army itself um that's one man's opinion uh is that fair dean yeah i I think it's uh of the of the list that you can play i think it's probably the most tactical i can break down a little bit of what they're all about in in one sec we're definitely we're gonna put your list up on the screen and the whole nine yards but but let me let me say this before we get into it because um to, to, to many Seraphine players and opponents, right, they may be familiar with seeing a Thunder Lizards type list. And, and the reason why I keep hashing on this is because, you know, when I was talking to people before you were on the show, they were like, oh, is he going to talk about Thunder Lizards? I said, no, he's going to talk about his list that was that we played the Chicago Open with. And maybe they didn't go look at the sure. Best Coast Pairings app because everyone's already pre-programmed to go Thunder Lizards. They want to see Thunder Lizards. And it's and it's it's a weird thing how it's almost hypnotized the community to expect a Seraphine player to be playing Thunder Lizards. Um, you know, and, and I think, yeah. I think what they're going to see tonight is going to be a stark, a stark difference. So, um, so Dean, let's, uh, let's get into your list tonight and, and, and give everyone here a glimpse. And I'm going to say this right now, a glimpse into some brilliance. You know, I think all your coalesced units in, in, in your army get, uh, that keyword, um, and it coalesce is what I'm talking about here, folks. And yes. I think they gain, uh, the list of abilities for that. Uh, it's called a constellation, right? Did I say that right? 
Yeah, so you have uh, your your two sub-factions, um, Coalesced and Starborn, and then there's the sub-faction of Kotal's Claw, Thunder Lizard, Fangs uh, so- of Sotek, or Dracothian's Tail, that are sub-factions of those two big uh, banners, and they, they're wildly different. Um, but yes, you get all Coalesced, and then when you declare Kotal's Claw, your units also gain Kotal's Claw. I got you. Okay, so so let's get into your list here. So we, we got Kotal's Claw. You're from Shaiish. Uh, your, you, your, your grand strategy is, is take what's theirs, but you're 2000 points. So, uh, or I'm sorry, your grand strategy is 2000 points, but your, your triumph is inspired. Uh, your yes. heroes, you got a Sora scar veteran on a carnosaur. You got a slant star master, a skink star seer, a skink star priest. And that damn Celestin prime that you held off for three turns to build up that hammer. And then you clobbered me when I was already down. I got it. I got, I got your old hero list there. <laughs> I, I was stunned with the amount of damage your Shoggoth put onto the Celestin Prime. Oh. I I didn't ask you anything about your attacks. I was like, whatever, it's a hero. He doesn't cost 325 points. I don't know how much he costs, but I, I'm pretty sure it's less than 325. I was like, he's not going to fight the Celestin Prime that's been waiting in the stars for this fight for as long as he's been waiting. And he put the hurt on the Celestin Prime. I mean, this, the Prime did whack him off the table immediately. Right. But before that, he uh, really feel like six wounds. Well, like, I got to tell you, after for, all, for 155 points, the the Shagoth is, is is like the master card. You don't leave home without it. Uh, but you had two of them, and I, I, I wasn't even fighting. Yeah. I wasn't even fighting the general one. I was just fighting your second Shagoth, and yeah. he really, really like that was a unit I was very impressed with. Yeah, I I, I love the Shagoth, and, and and again, now you know why I'm a little nervous for this update that could be coming up. I'm afraid what's going to be coming down the pike with him. Um, but, right. but you're to round out your list. I mean, you got, uh, you got, uh, two units, you got a unit of five, uh, source guard, a unit of chameleon skinks. You got a unit of 10 source knights, those damn source knights, folks. We're going to talk about these spears. This guy put a hurt on me. Like you would not believe, uh, another, and then two more units of five source knights. And then obviously the Bastilladon, the solar engine, don't leave home without it. Every lizard, uh, lizardman. There's my old, there's my old timer talk again. Seraphon player always has those in their list. So, uh, and, and I, I, I go ahead. Quick aside, I would cut the Bastilladon. Um, honestly, I okay. Yeah, on, the reason it's good and you see it so much is when you buff it uh, with a Skink Priest in Thunder Lizard, you get to shoot it twice, both times with all-out attack because the Skink Priest has all-out attack for uh, just for shooting that lasts until your next hero phase. So then you use that in your hero phase to give the Bastilladon all-out attack. Then you shoot him once, shoot him again at the end of the phase. Both of those have that all-out attack bonus. And you're really racking up shots um, doing it that way. But when you just have the one Bastilladon with having to spend all an attack with it, it's threes and threes, minus one, two damage. Right. You get They're making three saves, three or four saves on average for me, and it's doing like two to four damage a phase. Right, right. The but, only thing it's doing is living. That's the yeah, big well, thing. And that's, hey, you know what? We've always said you need shit to get to shit, stand on shit, and kill shit. And you're standing on shit. Yes. And you're doing it. And that's why he's in the list. He's yeah. not there because he's doing a lot of damage. He's this amazing model. He might have been better off being an Ark of Sotek, honestly. Yeah. Um, just because it's a lot cheaper and I can do something with the extra 90 points or 85 yeah. points, whatever. Right. So let's let's get to, let's get into the list here. I mean, this is uh, this is an interesting mix of I'll, I'm going to say Saurus and Skinks, right? And it's interesting that you went non-typical with, I would like to say, a Kotal's Claw list and not, I don't want to put this, I guess you didn't go all in on Saurus spam like you like you generally have seen 
in a lot of these type of lists. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm, well, I, I'm, I guess I'm not counting your knights as Soros spam. I guess that's kind of unfair to put it that way. Um, and, and you did have your Celestine Prime to tenderize your opponents, namely me. So let's get into this. Let, let's start with the general here. Let's start with your Soros Scar Veteran on a Carnosaur. Yeah, he's the general because he's literally the only thing in the army that can do the, uh, my only hero in the army that I can have do the uh, general kills a uh, oh, model yeah. battle tactic. The battle tactic, right. Kills a unit. Yeah. Right. So that's why he's the general. Um, that's literally it. Um, if I could make the Celestine Prime my general, I would for the exact same reason. Sure. He's. Sure. Because you could, the Celestine Prime's damage is very consistent. It's not high, it's not flashy, but it's very consistent. Just here's 15 wounds. I'm going to twos and twos you. Here's 15 wounds. Right. Deal with it. Yep. Yep. Whereas this, the Scarvet is, it's got no rend. So if you're playing something with a good save or a lot of these armies, like you can't guarantee anything with the Scarvet. But that's why he's the general, is because if you're playing Kotal's Claw, you take the Scarvet on Carnosaur. The reason is, is his basic attack has six attacks. Right. And you get the eviscerating blade, sixes or two mortal wounds in addition on hit. That's what you're getting. Um, that's what you're you're buying with uh, Kotal's Claw as your general. Right. And the command trait is also very good. Um, going back to you're about, before you're the break. You're dominant uh, predator. Yes. Okay. That's the Kotal's Claw specific one you have to take if your general is a Saurus. So if I don't make my general a Saurus, like if it's a Skink or the Slot, I don't have to take this command trait, and I can't, actually. But if it is, this is, if he gives a command to another Saurus unit, including himself, on a 4+, you get that command point back. Oh, it's yeah, one of the awesome. reasons, Yeah, that's one of the reasons I never run out of command points. I'm just like, all right, uh, all out defense, get the command point back. Rally, get the command point back. Uh, don't run away, get the command point back. Sixes explode, get the command point back. There's you end up generating a lot of command points. So what's fun with that is if you use the inspiring uh, commanding presence, whatever the heroic action is that gives you a command point, yeah, and you spend that one and you four plus get it back, it comes back as a real command point. So, so like <laughs> at the end of the turn, like if it's your opponent's turn, you'd be like, all right, I didn't spend this command point because you never attacked me. Uh, you guys don't run away on a four plus. You get to keep that command point. That's a pretty crafty loophole. I love yeah, it. because it, it, it's just funny because there's like, you can all out. You can only all out defense if you're being attacked. You can only all out attack if you're attacking. You can only, but for inspiring bravery or whatever, that doesn't require anything. It's like you don't take a bravery check this turn. They were never going to, but also they don't now. Right. And it was interesting when 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 your your kid out on this on this on your general on your source uh, scar veteran. I. I haven't seen this kid out very often because a lot of people that I've played, and and again, there's not a lot of Seraphon players in my in my community but the few that i've and played, probably fewer total flaw well well yeah and the fewer that i played though they've taken um the command trait uh i just had it on the tip of my tongue i was trying to remember it me uh i, I it's uh oh uh, uh savagery incarnate that's what i almost had to look it up in my book here but um and, and that's the one where it makes your source warriors uh, i think they hit like on a three plus or it gives them plus one to hit or some plus yeah i think it's a three plus to hit and and I know that um, that's been a very popular take. So it was interesting that you kind of, but I can see the pattern now. You've got a, you've got this command point generator through your entire army, um, and I can yeah. see I can see and 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 I think that serves you better. You know, it's almost like a like a slow burn. I think I think the one I just referred to, the savagery incarnate. I think that was something a little bit more of let's let's hit you right away. Let's get let's get at you right away. Where you know you're you're kind of um, you're kind of hitting them before they know they're hit. Uh, and I think that's yeah, what all the, the multitude. 
Now you've got me looking up Savagery Incarnate, because I thought that was the one that was like you or you get plus one render or whatever on your attack, one one attack or okay. something. Okay, maybe I maybe I'm attack. recalling it wrong, wrongly. Uh, wrongly, uh, I'm not I'm not sure, but uh, anyway, that, that's one that I'm pretty familiar with. Uh, oh, Savagery Incarnate is the all-out attack when charging. Okay, okay, uh, that's what it was. not okay, all right, I should have yeah. looked it up in my book. <laughs> I got the book right yeah, here. The, I should have uh, looked it up. The big thing is if, if your leader is Saurus, they have to have this command trait in Kotal's Claw. Right. Um, if you don't have this one, you can take re-rolls for your Slan. Um, there's a, a lot of really good command traits for, uh, for Skinks. Skinks have like the craziest artifacts, the craziest uh, command traits. Right. And then they're never your general for the most part. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, no. you can t- obviously if you're playing the Skink Priest on Stegadon, which is a very ludicrous model like with all the buffs it can get it can get like 30 attacks or some nonsense right but yeah um outside of that not well very the good. artifact you took that was the one that did my shagoth in i mean this is the one i think it does two or three mortal wounds uh this yeah, is the, the eviscerating blade. blade yeah and 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 that was it i mean not not that you needed any more mortal wounds to kill me but uh but i think that was the that's the one i remember walking away going damn that was i thought it, i thought at first when you explained it to me i thought you i thought you were saying eviscerating bite and uh, but right. no, but it's it's blade. But no, that that was the one that I think that was the exact one right there that uh, that did my Shagoth in. Uh, I don't think so because the one Shagoth was killed by the Celestine Prime, and the other one was killed by a bunch of knights, which okay, had maybe uh, that, okay. That's what it was. Okay, all right. Yeah, the knights got him with the poisoned weapons um, from the Skink Star Priest. So okay. in my list, looking at it, the there are three units that everyone should be familiar with. The Slan Star Master, the Skink Star Priest, and the Bastilla on the Solar Engine. Okay. Outside of those three units, you probably, if you play against Seraphon, you've probably played against them multiple times. You might not have seen any of these other units right. on the table. Right. Maybe Source Guard. I mean, Source Guard are pretty popular for keeping your Slan alive, though. Uh, I almost, I was going to cut them because all they do is just sit in the backfield and they, they're like a Slan tax. Right. And a lot, a lot of times you don't need it because not a lot of things can threaten your slon at range. Well, yeah. So I mean, it, in our game, you kept him in the bushes the whole time. Oh yeah, I mean in our game we played uh, that crazy long, long yeah, right. Yeah, and I I was able to screen out my entire deployment zone, which kept you nine inches in front of me the entire time. Right. Um, which was huge for me because if you were summoning in my backfield and making me deal with objectives and guys way back there. It would have been a wildly different game. Um, that yeah. that's one thing that impressed me about your summoning is like it doesn't require anything. Yeah. It doesn't require a hero. It doesn't require a range of the herdstone. Uh, any just yeah, they come out on an abort edge. Yeah, within yeah, six it, inches away from nine. And that's that's one of the beauties about having the oldest book in the game right now. That that it hasn't caught up. Right, the, the, the game hasn't caught. You know, vice versa, I guess. Uh, but I want to go back to your, let, let's go back to your Star Master before I lose his thought when you mentioned him, the Slan Star Master. Now, yep. I have heard it put that, you know, many times that uh, many Seraphon players would rather take Croak. And, and I kind of alluded to that at the very, very, very beginning of the show than say this, the Star Master. But you changed my mind, and, and in talking to a couple of my buddies in the gaming club uh, that have that have dabbled in, in, in Seraphon, you've kind of gotten, I think you've won them over. Uh, but you make because you made this guy great on the table. I mean, is 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 there a case? And you started to make it, and I think I might have cut you off earlier. Is there a case for this non-croak type slan? Um, I I think if you're not looking for exactly what croak is offering, which is uh, his war scroll spell 
uh, Command of the Heavens, maybe? No, that's the flying thing. Whatever it's called. If you're not looking for that specifically, I really don't know what you're actually getting for the extra almost 200 points, 170-something points. Right. Um, he, is, he is a quadruple caster and a quadruple denier or whatever, and he is plus two. But a lot of that ends up being irrelevant. The big thing is that he's an 18-wound model, so he messes up your force org. And uh, he's got a weird dying rule, um, which can be really good, but can also be kind of miserable sometimes, sure. especially if you're prone to rolling high when you don't want to. Sure. Just, just someone with five wounds and the thing disappears. Um, yeah, I think I like Croak. I do have lists that I like with Croak, but they're very specifically Croak builds. Um, I okay. don't like him in general um, as a result of it just messes up your force org. Okay, is what I would. So there's something with this guy, and I, I remember in our game, uh, and then and then you know trying to really kind of wrap my brain around this in preparation for the show here. But there's something that the Slan can do with being able to uh, switch their memorized spell at the end of the hero phase. You know, so in other words, like you took yeah. Stellar Tempest in, in this list, but you could just switch yes. that out, right? You could just say, Nah, I'm going to do something different this time, right? And I, yeah. I and and so um talk a little bit about that because I, I think you did that once or i think once or twice in our game and and i, I it was really kind of cool yeah i did it once and that's because um at the end of stellar tempest is great in the dark if you don't know what you're playing against it's sure. very good against you, someone shows up with like a unit of 60 clan rats or something be like all right well i'm about to take a third of them off the table for funsies um <laughs> So it's a very, but if you're not playing against that, and I didn't play against anybody that Stellar Tempest was good against, I immediately swap it out for one of the other spells, either the Endless Spell, just you cast this spell and it kills all Endless Spells around him, oh, or right. it's it's very often the Artifact Breaker, which is what I took against you, which is uh, you pick a unit within 24 inches that has an Artifact, it does that model two or 1d3 of damage, and then on a 4+, plus it breaks that Artifact. So if you had an artifact that they care about, like Arcane Tome, they made themselves a wizard or something. And the Slon can also cast through skinks that are within 10 inches or 12 inches of them. So you actually have a 36-inch range if you space it right. So you're very safe while casting it, and you get to break things from across the board. Um, so that's that was very often what I changed into. Okay. Yeah, that's what it was. And, and you like I said, you, you played that portion, I think, uh, kind of as like the unsung por portion of the game. You know, obviously you, you maneuvered and you blocked stuff off very well. Uh, you kept me from really being able to get to the backside of that table because I needed that nine inches and I didn't I didn't have it till it was too late. Um, right. And uh, and you did good. But I, I, I think I think one thing that impressed me about the way that your 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 troops and I'm not trying to jump ahead here, but your your positioning you even use the bases pretty clever you know the 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 oval bases that are on the source guard and whatnot i mean you did a good job as far as keeping oh, yeah. those things you know you you did a good job as far as as far as keeping those things to where it kept me a little bit off balance you know and i think then of course you throw in there the fact that your slant star master can decide he wants to just change his spell which by the way that 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 tempest one i if i if i remember right that's like an eight that's like casting value of an eight or something like that and it, it's a pretty long range isn't it like 24 or 36 inches or something like that yeah it's it's 24 inches and i think it's a seven but it might be an eight i i never really know yeah with uh, plus one and a reroll or plus often you're always plus two like uh so seraphon get this thing called an asterism in the hero phase and it happens in your hero phase so if your opponent's taking the first battle round first turn you don't get this and a lot of a lot of seraphon players miss this 
Um, but you don't get it in that turn. But okay. once it is becomes your turn, you can say that a wizard will be plus one to casting and unbinding and dispelling and all of that. Um, you can say that one of your heroes will have plus one to all of their attack profiles, and you pick them in your combat phase. Or all of your all of your units get plus one to run and charge. Okay. And those are all very powerful abilities, and you get to pick them once at the beginning of your turn. And often it's the slon. If especially when it's magic armies, it's always the slon. But in our games, it was actually I always picked plus one attack on my uh, Scarvet so that he could just yeah, hit you right. a little bit harder. Yeah. Oh, by you the know. way, speaking of your Scarvet, what was the Mount Trait, Beastmaster? I, you know, I, I didn't really get a chance to look this one up, but explain what this one does. Beastmaster is, uh, it came out in a White Dwarf update. Also, the Coalesced rules changed in a White Dwarf update um, to be like the way that the primeval terrain works changed um, to what it is now. Beastmaster is once per game during your hero phase, you announce that you're using the ability. And you can either get plus one to all of your attack profiles until your next hero phase, or for the turn that you announce it, you can run and still charge. Okay. So it, all right. it was a huge buff to yeah. uh, to Scarvets specifically, and honestly, my list. It's uh, what it allows me to do is guarantee that I can get two units from in any deployment type across the board into my opponent. Yeah. Um, which is which is a thing I think a lot of people don't really uh, plan for is what their turns look like. You know, um, whether it's when they're building their list, like I'm a seven drop. I expect as a seven drop that I'm going to be made to go first a large number of games. Mm -hmm. Didn't happen at Chicago. It ended up being that I actually got to choose priority three out of the five times, which right. was wild to me as a seven drop. Um, but it is one of the reasons I picked being a seven drop because I think, you know, the break points right now are one, four and seven. Right. Uh, yep. So either you're command magnificent you're a single battle reg or you're plus you're doing bounty hunters. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing all three, you're a seven drop, which is what I was. So I expected to be, you know, not choosing priority, but a lot of people don't make this decision. And uh, my round one opponent for sure, I don't think uh, really made this decision in their list of what they're going to do when they're made to go first, because I made him go first and he was like, all right, well, well, you're all turtled up. I'm just not going to move. I'm just going to pass the turn. It's like, I don't know how you can make that decision in a game that uh, my average game ends after three turns. Sure. Um, by the end of third turn, the game is over one way or the other. Whether right. I've won, I've lost, or, whatever. Yeah, right, yeah. It, it's the game's been decided. And you're going to not take an entire turn. 33% of your game, you're just not going to take. That's wild to me yeah. um, that you would make that decision in list building. Um, so what I've done is I'm a seven drop. I assume that a lot of my games probably... I would say probably 70% the other way, I'm going to be going, I'm going to be made to go first, unless they're an alpha strike list, in which case they're a one drop and they're going to go first. But I have a way to, of something I'm going to do. My Sore Scarvet's going to go across the table. My 10 Knights, they're going to go across the table with the Stink Starseer, giving them 3d6 to charge. Sure. Uh, we haven't talked about the Starseer yet, but that's what he's there for. Um, in Kotal's Claw, you need to play that unit. He does... Two things that are very, very important. Are, you talking, are, you, are we talking about the Star Starseer? Skink Starseer, yes. Okay, got it. Okay, let's let's go with that. Yeah, his War Scroll spell is minus one or plus one rend, basically. And this army does not have rend. And so the choice is play the Purple Sun, 
Right. Or you play this guy, and this yeah. guy basically acts as a little purple sun. Like once they're within eighteen inches, he gives some. He could either give Mystic Shield to your guys or minus one save to their guys, and then he has just the ability in the charge phase to say this unit within twelve inches is going to three d six charge at eighteen inches. Yeah. Yeah. So that really allows me to get two guys fully across the table. Um, and they're not easy to remove guys. So like if you're going to press somebody in their zone, you really can't ask for more than 20 wounds on Soros Knights and the Scor- Soros Scarvet with his 12 wounds or whatever, just sitting in their face. They're going to die. I mean, you're putting your 400 points against their 2000. They're going to die. But if they just press your opponent long enough, they kill you know half their points value, 200 points or something, and then they hold their entire force over there for an entire turn... That's worth everything. Hey, man, a round is all you need, you know, to, to gain those exactly. those objectives. I mean, this game isn't about killing killing units anymore. It's about holding objectives. And, and I want to exactly. go back to something I've noticed in your list. You, you're you, you're a very insurance policy type list, and I love what you've done with your with your star seer because of that ability to be able to gain those additional uh, to generate those those command points through him, and then also yep. on your general. You know, you're, so you're getting yep. those command points back. You're generating new ones, and, and let's 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 be very very honest here. I mean, yeah, he may not be the tankiest thing in the world. Not like we're talking about an ogre butcher here, but a skink starseer, he's got a decent range attack. You know, uh, but but I think where he counts yes. is definitely his CP, being able to do that on on a on a uh, four plus. Um, you know, and if you can put that on a unit at you know eighteen inches away, and get that three d six charge off. Um, I really think that you're cooking with gas at that point because there's something too where the yeah. the the, uh, the control fate I believe it's a uh, negative one save debuff or a plus one save buff depending that, on yeah what that's the target that's or, the spell yeah yep yeah, that's, that's the spell what, we're talking right. about and so the the um, I just had to remember it I was trying to recall it when I was trying to chase it down when you were saying it and I was trying to make sure I got it I got it right but but sure. but coupled with his I call him his younger brother the skink star priest. You know, um, he might be a little bit better in combat, sure, than than the Star Seer. But what I like is that his spell, uh, I believe it's his War Scroll spell, he's going to inflict negative one to hit on an enemy on an enemy unit within eighteen inches. So if you position yep. this right, you get that spell off. I mean, I really, I really see what you're doing here in this list, and and you're kind of you're building an insurance policy for later with those with those CP, but you're taking the things away that any army depends on. You know, and that's the, we, in order to do something, we got to hit you. Yeah, and uh, honestly, the Star Priest Blazing Starlight is the spell that's minus one to hit for a unit. Um, it's almost never cast because Hand of Glory is busted in half, and that's why both skinks have it again oh, yeah. as an insurance policy. That's right. That's right. You, in your list, yeah, both of them have Hand of Glory, right? And Hand of Glory is reroll ones to hit, and right. when you're attacking seventy times, you know that's. Oh, trust me, you did it to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I I buffed the unit of ten with the reroll ones and sixes to wound or mortal wounds, and they just ate that unit of six shagas or I guess, six dragon over. Yeah, I guess it's. I guess it's the. Yeah, they did too, man. I guess it's the. Uh, I guess it's the best. I guess it's the reason why you take a skink uh, wizard in the first place, right? Is, is rerolling those ones in that you? I mean, you know, yeah. it, it's with with that eighteen inch range, um, and I guess it'd be a very pretty low casting value. Um, you know, you might you might have actually spoken some pretty true words there. Hand of Glory might literally be the best spell in my opinion. I mean, I can see why you took it twice. Yes. 
yeah, it, it's unique. You it, it, it does so much, and they they took away reroll. They took rerolls out of the game when they uh, moved into third edition. They pretty much everything that had rerolls went away. But we got to keep this one, and uh, I'm thrilled for that. Okay, so I got I got one more question for you, and I'm all, I'm I want to bounce this off you because I was looking through the book here while you were while you were talking, and there was one spell that came across that I noticed. I kept getting it confused with um, uh, the previous spell that you had on your Star Master, um, with the uh, with basically it's the it's I call it the Napalm uh, spell. That was the, uh, the the Stellar Tempest, where out of five plus, yep. you you know each each model in the unit takes a mortal wound. There was another spell yep. that I noticed, and, and this must be a Seraphon thing, because I think it was Tide of the Serpents as a spell. It casts on an eight, so it's kind of high, but it virtually yes. does the same thing. And, on um, sixes, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and Oh, is it sixes? I thought it was fives. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, but... I, I think it's sixes for the skink version. Yeah, but um, but I could see why definitely that... Uh, yeah, that one, not even in comparison. I could see why you, you doubled up on, on, um, on that spell. So I mean, and right. then and then of course to round out your heroes, you know, you got the big man himself. You know, you brought in the Celestine Prime. You know, he's he stepped in, he did some damage. You kept him off, I think, for what three rounds in our game. Was that pretty? Was that pretty normal in all your games? He he, I, uh, he came in on turn two, and that's mathematically when he's supposed to come in. Okay, because um, he has. I don't know how familiar you are with Celestine Prime, but he has this rule that every turn you choose to bring him in. Or you leave him in the sky. And if you choose to leave him in the sky, his attacks profile goes up by two. He increases his number of attacks by two every turn you leave him up there. Right. So if you bring him on turn one, he's got three attacks base. He's probably only attacking on your turn if your opponent is, you know, has a brain in their head. That's only 15 <laughs> attacks, right? Right. If you bring him in on turn two, he attacks four times. And, you know, that's 20 attacks. 20 is more than 15. I mean, the math's not too hard to parse there. If you bring them in on turn three, technically you get three, four, and five. That's 21 attacks. But as I said previously, the game only lasts three rounds. Sure. Um, so it's gen mathematically turn two is when he comes in. And that's when he's got five attacks at, you know, threes and twos, minus three, three damage or whatever. Just doing his 15 wounds every turn forever. Yeah. So, I the, mean, did, did you feel you the, got good value out of him? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The value I got out of him wasn't in the what he was doing um, as a real unit. What I wanted is battle tactics, and I don't really have a clean way to guarantee barge through enemy lines. I see. So okay. I took the five skinks, and I wanted in my hero slot a way to do that. And the reason I talked about the twins earlier is the twins had this spot. I had the twins with the boat, Laukon the Soul Seeker, or whatever. Sure. And the twins are a double caster. The twins also generate CP while they're standing next to your general. And they have, they end up being on, like, they're a 3 plus, 5 plus. Um, and the Celestial Prime's a 3 plus, 4 plus, And just comes in wherever you want him, charges. He, he guarantees whatever he's going to do. But he's always going to show up in their deployment zone. It guarantees barge and he's very hard to remove. Um, so that's why we ended up with this lesson prime over the twins. I was like coin flip versus the twins um, before going into the event. I almost played the twins. Wow. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it worked. Your, your, your decision worked out for you. It, it did. It actually, it really did. The Celestin Prime did a lot of work. Also, his uh, he picks a spot in the shooting phase, and everything within three inches of that spot takes D3 mortals. Right. No roll, nothing. It just happens. Um, and that's been that was huge um, throughout the tournament. Just being able to guarantee something that was on its deathbed, especially the thing that was controlling the Kronspine. Get it out of here. 
let that thing go wild near your own units, whatever, right. um, which actually happened in my final game. against That was against um, Anthony uh, Trentinelli, correct? The Zeech Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. And that was a, that was yeah. a, that was a close game. I think it was what 31-30 or 32-33 or something like that. I mean, it was pretty darn close. 32-31. And okay. yeah. uh, if you want if you want I can talk about what happened in that game Please. because yeah, it's kind it. of Yeah. Yeah, so that game uh what ended up happening is he was one of the two opponents that I had that had lower drops than me. He was a two drop because you can only have a two drop with two monsters or whatever. Right. And uh, he made me go first, which I kind of expected. I hit his lines, just like I said. I hit him with the 10 block and the uh, the Scarvet, sent him over there, and uh, did my damage, cleared out half a unit of, or killed a unit of Kyrick Alkalites and killed like his unit of, I don't know, they were some Chaos Beast unit, actually. It was like Beastagores or something. Oh, yeah, Bestagores, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was like... So I cleared those guys out and I was just sitting in his zone. He managed to like, like just screen me. My my charge roll was just bad enough that I couldn't get over the top to get to uh, Kairos. And I even re-rolled it trying to get to Kairos with the uh, run charging uh, Saurus Garvet. Couldn't make it. He was flying, by the way. Yeah, the Saurus right. Garvet flies because the Slon has a command ability that makes him fly, whatever. Not important. So I was trying to get over there and just do this thing. Um, didn't really work out. He takes his turn. And he is casting uh, all of his spells on 13s or 14s or something. Right. 14s, because he was hit Arcane Terrain. He was plus one because of his general trait. Um, so he was on plus twos, and he kept rolling sixes. And you know how Zinch works with their big birds. They If they roll a six, they turn the other die to a six. So now it's a 12 plus two is 14. Or 10 plus two is 12, whatever. He was constantly going off. And he casts one spell, and uh, it was like really important. I think it was the War Scroll spell for one of... Uh, for the Kairos. It went off on a 14 and I box card the role with the Slon who was on plus three. <laughs> yeah. So I denied him on a 15. Oh my goodness. I kept trying. I kept re-rolling to get, I actually hit him with it that one nice. time. And it was, it was so delightful to not like lose a model and have it be as a uh, spawn or whatever. Right. And, and you know, um, I, I want to say, Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I want to interrupt you. Sorry. Yeah. So basically the way the turn devolves is he ends up charging. Uh, he ends up killing the Scarvet in the shooting phase and ends up charging my 10 block of knights with both birds and the crown spine. And the crown spine is within three inches of uh, Kairos. And even with piling in, there's nowhere he can go. That's going to get him away from it. So I, I like cross my fingers. I'm like, all right, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted because if I can kill the stupid change caster that's controlling the crown spine, yeah. now Kairos has to fight the uh, cron spine. Oh, I de-leveled the cron spine on my turn with the uh, Scarvet. That sure. also happened. So sure. it was down to level one. Right. Um, so we go to, he ends up killing the uh, Saurus Knights, obviously, you know, the cron spine plus two birds is going to do the trick, plus right. all the wounds they had taken and shooting and everything else. They weren't right. going to last. So they ended up dying and I did maintain priority. I killed the change caster. He re immediately realizes, like, as soon as the like I'm targeting the change caster, what's happened and that the crown spine is going to be fighting Kairos. And uh, I make a kind of a boneheaded play. I was hoping that he wouldn't notice and uh, he was going to change my uh, Celestant Prime's roll from 12 to 7, which I guess he's allowed to do with Kairos. He can change a, I say I roll 12, he says it's actually a 7, right. which was, you, we got that ruling before the uh, our game. So I knew that was on the up and up and I knew that was going to happen. So I was sure. trying to bait him into using the Kairos role there. 
Um, but he was going to let me charge and get into combat with Kairos or whatever, um, just to like, let me do it because he didn't want to fight, uh, with his crown spine against himself. If I had just deployed the Celestine Prime on the other side of the board, it would have ended up being better for me, um, in the long run. Sure. But anyway, anyway, his, uh, crown spine eats the, uh, tries to eat his endless spell that he cast. I, he needed a five on dice because he was only level one. And you need, and it's a casting value of five, so you need a six to get it off. And he was only plus one to it, so he needed a five on dice. Um, failed it, and the cron spine disappeared, which sounds horrible for him, but I think it might have kept him in the game because if the cron spine and his bird had to fight for the rest, and it kills Kairos, right? I think that's wildly different game for me. Like the cron spine probably kills Kairos, and I'm thrilled with that because sure. the cron spine doesn't do anything, whereas Kairos is a freaking nightmare, right? Um, so we end up trading. Uh, so on turn one, we both trade five. We trade five four, or five, yeah, five four, because he didn't have more, because I I pushed into his zone, took one of his objectives. So I got one two more on my turn, plus the battle tactic for five. He got one two not more, plus his battle tactic for four. The rest of the game, we end up trading sixes because we're both burning along the back of the uh, board. And I have a unit, a unit of two source knights in his backfield, and they're basically they're measured perfectly to every turn, auto run themselves, take the objective and burn it in his backfield. He's got nothing back there, right? Right. And uh, he's in my field, summoning, you know, whatever he's doing. Um, it comes down to, I have one source guard in my slon. At the end of turn three. He double turns me from two to three. That doesn't really matter. It doesn't change anything. I think if he doesn't, he loses the game, but that's not, doesn't really matter. That's not sure. important. What matters is that uh, at the, I'm got a source guard and a slon. They managed to kill the one big bird, and it's just Kairos left. Um, I actually charge Kairos with the slon, and I fail the charge with the source guard, um, which ended up really being what. Uh, saves the game for me so the slon is actually wins is winning the combat against kairos by the way which is the funniest thing in the world because kairos is so <laughs> pillow like he's do he's doing all his damage in stomps like That's great. He's, not, he's not doing anything to the actual like in the combat phase so he uh keeps the turn into four again if i double turn i kill kairos the game ends whatever right. but he keeps it into four and he says that he's going to do gaining momentum which is Pick a unit that started on the battlefield. Um, they control an objective that you're that they're contesting that's not contested by enemy Galatian vets. Right. And he picks the only unit that he has on the board that started on the board was his uh, unit of Kyric acolytes. There's only four of them left, and yep. they were about I don't know. I'd say they were they needed a three or two inch run to get on the just to get to contest the objective. Right. So they were that far away. And this this is the unit that this, the Temple Guard, Source Guard, are contesting. And they're Galatian vets. Sure. So he says he's going to do that. And I'm thinking, okay, this Temple Guard is right next to the Kairos fight. Kairos is going to blow this Temple Guard off the board. And he's going to, uh, you know, be able to take this objective with the uh, his guys. And I'm not going to be contesting with my Galatian vet anymore. This is what's happening in my head. And I'm like, okay, everything he's doing is on the up and up. We go through his his casting phase. He only casts one spell because um, I was able to deny the other two or the, he didn't cast them. It didn't go off, whatever. Not important. He only cast one spell and he put it on the salon. So the salon took three wounds from whatever spell. I think it was Bolt of Change um, for D6. Um, he has just enough summoning points to summon one unit of 
of 10 horrors. And he's going through the whole thing and he decides he's going to summon him in his backfield to contest his objectives that I'm running across with my two Saurus Knights that I was talking about before. Right. Um, so he does that. He, he runs the, his Chiric Acolytes onto the objective. They just make it onto the objective. Um, and he summons the guys in his backfield. And he gets done at the end of his movement phase. Nothing to shoot. Everything ran or retreated. And I asked him and I was like, I said, hey, Anthony, uh, you do know that the Saurus Guard is a Galatian vet, right? And he says, and you can just see the look on his face. Like, because he knows exactly what I'm saying. He can't attack my source guard anymore. He's got no way to do any damage, nothing like that. And uh, he's going to lose his battle tactic. And uh, so I was like, and I could see that he, he just something somewhere along the line, he lost the thread, you know, right. after five games on the weekend, he just lost the thread. So what we, I allowed to happen was it was the end of the movement phase. He had just finished summoning the, uh, the 10 horrors. And I said, look, um, Let's just talk this out, how it would happen if you had, you know, summoned the horrors over here, assume they kill this guy, uh, they kill this, the, they get the charge off, they kill him in shooting, they kill him in fighting, whatever, he's in cover, he's probably going to die to the whatever number of attacks they have, fine, whatever. Uh, let's do that. What? How does this play out for you? He's like, well, I'll, I'll burn that objective um, on my next turn. I have this other battle tech I can do. I'll burn that objective. I'll get sixes. And I was like, that's fine. I'm going to get sixes across the back as well. I can do these two battle tactics very easily. Um, so let's just change that. You summon those guys that you put back here over here to fix the battle tactic mistake. And I'm going to six. I'm going to finish off sixes. You'll finish off sixes. I'll get my grand strategy. You'll get your grand strategy. I'm going to end up winning by one point. And that's what we ended up deciding on. Yeah, and, and you know, and I'll be honest with you. I'm looking over. I, I just pulled up on Best Coast Pairings. Uh, you, you know, you didn't have an easy game in the bunch. Maybe the Orc Warclan player in the first, and I'm not saying he was a bad player, but that seemed to be your easiest game to me, looking at how the points shook out. Um, yeah. But, you know, Anthony's uh, army, the Disciples of Zeech, you know, I mean, he had, as you mentioned, Kairos, Lord of Change. Uh, he had a, a, a Demon Prince. Um, he had uh, one, two. No, no, there's no, no, no Demon Prince. Oh no, okay, that's. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. Changecaster. Yeah, Changecaster. That's what it was. Um, and Crownspine. Yep, one, two, three units of Karyak uh, acolytes, and then Crownspine, and then uh, oh, the Centigors. That's what he had. So he had Centigors in his list. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I, they, they weren't Bestigors. They were Centigors. Got it. So he had a unit of five of them. Yeah. Yeah, they're, I guess they're cheap wounds. I I wasn't well, really clear on what they were supposed to do. But, well, they they uh, move they move fast. They, I mean they they got they got they got pretty darn good movement. Um, it's just it's just odd that he would take them. But I I guess that's kind of cool. I guess uh, maybe he knows yeah. something I don't. But uh, interesting that he would that he would take that. But you know you didn't really have an easy game in the bunch. I mean you know coming off and, and kind of reflecting back on and, and by the way you know Dean you're you're a hell of a player, folks. I played this guy game three. Um, real gentleman, awesome player, you know, and, and, you know, I think that was how I kind of want to end it. You know, you're, you're coming off of your win with the Chicago open. Um, you played, I'm going to say, I'll say five tough to extremely tough games. Um, but what, what makes, what makes a, a champion? What, what in your opinion helped you get to this, to this point to be able to now be going to New Mexico? I, I think I would say, uh, kind of echoing what I said earlier, is I uh, I had a plan, and I think that a lot of my opponents and a lot of lists I saw are just playing good units. They're not uh, 
building to have a game plan. They're not saying, you know, this is how I'm going to get this battle tactic. This is how I'm going to get this battle tactic. You know, I have my general is who he is only because I need that battle tactic. I'm playing the Slusant Prime so I can get barge um, with the chameleon skinks. Um, I have a my I have a plan if I'm forced to go first. I have a plan if I if I'm not forced to go first and I get to choose, you know, what that is. And uh, a lot of my opponents like didn't. It seemed like they were just making it up as they were going along. Um, they were just playing really good units, really good lists, uh, really tuned sort of things. And they were just you know making decisions as they came to them, not really having a thought like I if I do this battle tactic this turn, I'm not going to be able to do it on the following turns, whatever. So I think I just had a plan with my list building and I executed that plan. Um, I think that's what I would say. Um, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, with the fluidity, though. I mean, you know, this is army that you played for a long time. So, I mean, I, I would say that a lot of this is it. You, you, you've got the last two years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you've got a, you've got a good comfort zone with this with this army. So, well, good stuff. Yeah, and go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, and it's going back to that previous point is like, even when I'm building with my brother or building lists with Victor, and they, they're both playing like very tuned, like, list. Duncan played the Lumineth Realm Lords, like, one drop list, and he's going to either alpha strike you or let you walk into his range and do his thing. And Victor played 17 flies. I mean, as soon as you decide on Victor loves his spam list, and, uh, <laughs> but that's his game plan, you right, know, is, right. uh, you know, this unit is very good. This unit's very hard to beat. I'm going to put them all in your face, and you you're going to have to try to dislodge me while I incidentally summon in the background and score points that way. And uh, so it's like have a plan. And a lot of my opponents, they really, really seemed they really seemed like they were playing just good lists, good units, things they liked. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, there's I'm not poo pooing anybody who's just playing stuff they like. But if you want to go five zero, you've got to have a plan. You have to have an idea of what you're going to do once the game starts, you know? Yeah. And that's great advice. That's great advice. And, you know, Dean, you're a hell of a competitor, man. I'm really, I'm really thankful that I got a chance to meet you. And I, I look forward to rolling more dice with you, man. I got to try to get a win from you, man. I got to try to, uh, I try to, we, we got to get that game in sometime soon, hopefully uh, when you come back from New Mexico and you win that whole thing down there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, uh, I'll love to come back with my uh, Burger King hat or whatever they're giving me. And <laughs> You know, get a game back with you guys. We're, we're going to try to get you a Burger King hat with a with a Grimdark logo on it. We're going to send it to you. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, but you know we're at that point uh, at the show here, bud, with uh, with the closing thoughts. And uh, you mind giving us some closing thoughts? Sure. All right. It's um, yeah, I think uh, as closing thoughts, I think uh, as far as improving as a player, I think what a lot of people should do is not focus on the dice. I think. People need to be a lot more introspective of what choices they made, decisions they made in the game, um, and what they did versus what their opponent did. If you come out of a game and you say, well, I failed a lot of two-plus saves. Uh, Well, uh, he made a lot of five-plus saves, way more than whatever happened. That's not the story of the game. Um, That's the story of one specific thing that happened in a game. And I, I really think if people take a look, like a lot of my games, even my wins, like I always look back and I say, you know, what did I do wrong? What could I have improved better? What could I have done? Like I said, like I misplaced my my Celestin Prime in my final game with Anthony, and it very literally could have cost me uh, that game just by making that one little mistake. 
Um, so people, I think, just need to take a little bit of time, um, look at their losses or their wins and say, especially their wins, what could I have done? Because, you know, winning doesn't make you right. It just makes you the winner. Um, it doesn't make you better or anything else. So take a look at what you did, what you can improve on, even your list, like what you would want to change, what overperformed, what underperformed. And don't look at specific dice rolls. Don't say, you know, I attacked with my eviscerating blade 29 times and didn't get a single six, which I could say, I could say that that happened in one of my games and it, 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 uh, it didn't affect the outcome in any meaningful way. Um, you just got to kind of do what you're doing and move on and try to improve from what you can improve on what you can control. That's uh, I love that. I love, I love the way you put that. And you know, it's funny. What, what brought to mind for myself uh, was uh, I never made one priority role. In our game sure. or any of the games leading up until my last, my, my fifth game, I finally made a freaking priority roll. I think I went the whole tournament. I would think I was three and 14 uh, in priority, in priority roll. Sure. It was, right. it was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad, but, uh, but you know, that's, uh, that, that's the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, 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 I double turned um, three out of five times. Yeah. Um, I mean, People main I, priority was maintained, so going into only I only really care about turn one to two. Otherwise, it's whatever. But turn one to two, I uh, kept the priority or double turned three out of the five times. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a dice game. Uh, Dean Bills, yep. thank you so much for for being with us here tonight on Grim Dark Live. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks and, for having me. Appreciate yep. you. And the best of luck to you uh, down in New Mexico. I know you're going to win it all. We're going to be rooting for you. Uh, you're a hell of a competitor. I look forward to the friendship, and uh, you're going to come back and join us on the show, right? Absolutely. All right. Maybe on the next show, I can talk about how I finally beat you in a game. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm always out there every year for Adepticon, and every time I can get out to Chicago, like I said, I love that area. Sounds good. Uh, Dean, thank you so much. And, well, folks, that's a wrap. And, uh, and Dean, thank you again for being with us tonight. And, folks, uh, until we meet up again, remember, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a freaking short pants. All right. Good night, everyone. See you next week. Thanks. Dark Live would like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. We'll be back again real soon, so until then, roll them dice fun and fair and don't be a frickin' short pants. You can get your Grimdark Live fix on on our live show or catch us on our Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live coming to you each and every week. So stay tuned and stay grim while you dice-chucking, blue-sniffing gamer goons. You're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing blue. Remember to embrace the main message here on Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other in this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimDarkLive.com and don't forget to subscribe, follow, and recommend Grimdark Live to your friends. So long, Grimdark Goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Bye. Bye.